Hello everyone, welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. I am your host, David Thackeray. I'm a hospitality professional with two decades of experience in bar and restaurants. My pursuit in this podcast is of having difficult conversations of our industry and of society as a whole. My guest for the show is Michael Neff. Michael is an industry veteran who bartends and is a principal partner over at the uh, uh, Cottonmouth Club in, here in downtown Houston. He's an entrepreneur and spirits professional uh, whose uh, purpose in life is to make great bars and entice people to drink in them. He was a uh, founding partner at the uh, War 3 and the uh, Rum House in New York City. Both bars famous for bespoke cocktails, uh, finely curated spirits selection, and a commitment to hospitality. As a consultant, he spearheaded the build and programs at Kolo Club in Hoboken, uh, New Jersey, Corvo Bianco in uh, Manhattan, um, and then on the West Coast, he helped the uh, three clubs in uh, Hollywood relaunch the cocktail program and is currently building the five bars and programs at the uh, Clifton's Brookdale in downtown LA. I wish I wrote that, but I didn't. I actually just grabbed it off his uh, social media. So thank you for writing that, uh, Michael. <laughs> um, Texas is currently going through a spike on COVID-19 uh, cases. So here we are with Michael Neff, and we're going to talk about how this is affecting his bar in downtown Houston. Yeah, I did. So I, I've, I've been so I made this video, right, and had all these views because the video got all these views. And this is a lesson for all of us, right? You know, you want, you know, making a viral video in itself doesn't have a lot of point, but it makes uh, opportunity to have larger conversations. And so I was, I, I went from talking to the local press to the national press, and I had an interview with the AP today, and I, I put it in a way that I hadn't put it before because I hadn't had to think about it before. But I was like, look, if, if you were to go to a bar owner in the city of Houston and say, do you have a plan for a hurricane? Every single one of them would say, oh, yeah, of course. Because hurricanes are things that happen. What are you going to do if there's an economic downturn? Um, you know, you know, we can, you know, these are things that we kind of think about because they're expected. If you would have said to me two years ago when I opened this bar, what are you going to do if there's a global pandemic? I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Yeah. What does that mean? Right. It's like saying, what are you going to do if there's an alien invasion? I'm like, why, what, like, what are you like? Come on, like, be serious. Yeah. Because we have to think about so many things. And because this event was so unprecedented in so many ways and people are like, what's your plan? I'm like, what do you mean? What's my plan? Like, I didn't have a plan. And also, it turns out neither did the city or the state government. Yeah, but I mean, the, because these are the plans that are supposed to be in place by the, the largest form of government. This is a pandemic. And they've been talking about it for so long that this is not something that, the, um, you know, small minds, uh, uh, layman minds are supposed to consider. This is, these are the people that study this shit for decades, the ones that handle this. And so it's it's such a a black swan event. We now all know. Right. Many of us now know what the fuck a black swan is, exactly. because we're living through one. Right. 
Well, and also as business people in general and as bar, you know, as a bar community and all these things, it's not, it wasn't, it wasn't anything we would at all have reasonably expected each other. I mean, there's some events that could happen if I didn't have some, some idea of how to deal with it. You could look at me as an owner and say, well, you, maybe you should have considered more before you put your shit together. But this, I don't think is one of them. No, this is definitely not one of them. No, and it and I think it turns out that you know regardless of how many big brains they had working on this for so many years, if we don't listen to them or don't believe them, I, I mean it's very clear to me that there's no one in up to the highest levels of government. Just keep it in the state, right? That really looked at the economic impact of what this was going to be and say, okay, this is probably what we should do. Because they're still like what they're doing. My 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 big message is like if you really want to fuck the whole thing up. And keep doing what you're doing because we'll all just die and you know then you can try to revitalize downtown again 20 years from now yeah at the expense of everyone that invested the the right. money and time and you know that time what it takes to open a bar what it takes to build that clientele and that culture is something that you never get back and whenever right. it's it goes away because of a clusterfuck because of someone else, the people in charge not being deliberate in the way they handle an emergency. It is really, really aggravating. <clears throat> yeah, and also I think that, you know, we aren't coordinated enough. As and an industry? As an industry, there's... there's no. no. I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole because I will definitely lose the few friends that I have <laughs> but you know it's kind of developed over the course now and it's not just in Houston but it's also in Houston you know it's is is as you get higher up in the business you don't become a bigger leader you get more opportunities for yourself and every time you have those opportunities you have more strings on you so you're like oh okay now I'm working with this brand and so you have to think about what you say and you yeah. get used to thinking about what you say and then eventually you get to the point where you were working for really big companies that and you're like okay well I, I can't I can't really say anything at all because I don't want to jeopardize my income and I don't blame anyone for that but when we're in this kind of crisis this is when I want to look at all those people and say okay all those rules now don't apply because if you want to have a career in the bar business then you can't let the bar business be decimated That's every brand ambassador. Is anyone who sells anything to a bar. That's any famous bartender who writes books and hopes the bartenders will go. That's anybody who's going to do seminars, teaching people how to do cocktails. It's every person. I'm like, all of us make our, our money and based on in our livelihood, based on the fact there's bartenders that exist to make cocktails in bars. And if 30% of those go away across the country, then all of us are screwed. Yeah. Where is your, uh, where is your base? Where's your clientele? Who's going to pay you to do stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. <laughs> you think I'm fucking with you? I am not fucking with you. I'm here from downtown. I'm here from Mitch and Murray. And I'm here on a mission of mercy. We need industry leaders to come together and, and, and demand that 
there be some protection for the industry because it's a pandemic. A pandemic is serious stuff. A pandemic poorly handled is really serious stuff. And just like any other potentially dangerous situation that is mismanaged, it creates distrust, fear, and uncertainty. So for bars whose sole purpose is to host and entertain, a communicable disease is a nightmare scenario. Now imagine that you have a, a, a credit card processing company and you use unsecured internet. Well, you're exposing people's data right, to hacking. What if you have a distribution company and you can't, you can't test your, your drivers for uh, alcohol consumption? Then you're putting the, the public safety at risk and you're putting your merchandise at risk too. So when a bar can't guarantee the public safety to congregate, it loses all of its purpose. And you're able to move around and, and, and take care of more people because the vibe continues. Because that's, that's what we do. And that's, that's been what's been so difficult about this is that this is what we do. We bring people together and we create an environment where they get to have a good time. What environment that is, it depends on the bar and depends on the bar owner and, and everything else. And so right now, we're not allowed to do that for good reason. But then that's why. So let's, let's get into that. What are the challenges for you before the first phase of this? Like, what, what did it look like to you? Because I'll tell you real quick, for me, again, like I've been through H1N1 and the SARS and the Ebola and all that. Didn't even have to really think about it. I never really concerned myself with any of those because it was one of those things that they had the press conferences. It was on the news to say, do this, don't do that. Cool. And then a few months later, they're like, the shit is contained. Great. This time it hasn't been like that. For various reasons that mere mortals like you and me probably can have an opinion about but I mean why mm. yeah I mean I, I, I get it I get it and it was it was it, it was varying degrees of terrifying you know because you know much like you you kind of you kind of start reading some stuff on the news that's happening in another continent in China you're like oh okay <clears throat> And there's always something happens something on another co- continent that you're like, well, I mean, let's hope that it doesn't make it over here. And then you look at your own country as a little bit of an island. So if someone with Ebola comes over on an airplane, they identify that person immediately. They're quarantined and everyone's freaking out about it. And then you're like, oh, my God, three people died. And then it's contained. Yeah. But three people died. And that was the tragedy, which is a tragedy if anybody dies. Right. Correct. So when I first started hearing about what was going on with with the coronavirus, it was kind of in that category. And even when the first cases started coming up, and those hit close to home for me because they were in Washington State, not far from where my kids live. And, you know, and that was also when they were saying, wow, it's mostly old people and like, et cetera. But when it started like sweeping through a state that, you know, my, my fucking progeny live in, I'm like, well, I should probably learn more about it because i need to know what the danger is and i need to know whether because i was due to go i was due to like go 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 out there like right around that time and i'm like should i go or not go based on my safety their safety like everyone's saying like what's going on and 
it wasn't very long after that it started kind of like ramping up so much on a national level. And then, you know, we're in Houston and it's not like people out here don't believe in science, but there was a lot of people who were giving so many different kind of messages. Like yeah. we talked about earlier, like you yeah. had a doctor friend who said it's no big deal. I had a doctor friend who said this is going to kill the planet. Yeah. And th- and those and, and you and I had you and I had bars that were what, four blocks apart, five blocks apart. Yeah. Yeah. We have the same clientele, basically people that live around there. And, right. Right. And, and it was, and that that's the thing that that kind of blew my mind because I, I I couldn't understand why the people that were saying that would would say it, and and it and it was. It was just the the lack of information. I think the the mixed messages um, definitely um, has has made everything more difficult, and and so I seriously thought that this was going to be two weeks. And, right. Uh, well, we, we were told it was going to be what what they, they shut us down. What like first week of March, right around then. It was the seventeenth. Whenever we had to to right. Shut so mid March. Mid March. And, and they're like, okay, like we have to close for March was kind of the thing where they're like, we have to, we like, we have to shut this down. And, and, and that was, I mean, and, and, and this is Pollyanna time, right? Remembering the good old days. That's when we <laughs> thought we, that's when we thought we were, we, they were like, Oh my God, we might have to stay closed till April. Yeah. And I didn't really think that because it was very clear, basically looking at the rest of the country that it was going to be much longer but that was just what they told us. They're like, we're going to have to stay closed till April. In a normal world, world, in a normal world that we had all recognized, shutting down the economy of cities for two weeks was unprecedented. Correct. You know, the only day that was worse than the day that, that they told us we had to shut down was the day that they told us we could open again. So That day was worse. That day was worse. Okay. So tell me about that because my circumstance is pretty different in that uh, being in a food hall, uh, I had some options, right? And right. And so, and they were open the whole time and I went in and it helped for a certain amount of time. But then it was, it was such that I was actually an extra body and in a situation like this, extra people wasn't the best thing to have. And so no. I pulled back. And then whenever the phase one came through, I, I tried it and I tell you that, you know, ninety dollars in, in sales it wasn't covering the uh, the labor or anything else. And so, you know, it was just so I, I was able to shut back down. But it's uh, I mean, I, I again, like I told you before, I was thinking about you and the bars like you who don't have any food and you can't just you know, put a, a, a table outside and, and I mean, I guess you could, but like most places are just doing takeout and they're living out there. They're, they're surviving off of that, which is the bare minimum and not even like 25, 30%. I think that the best that I've heard someone say they're doing about 30% of their normal selves. Right. So what did you do? I mean, we got creative. You know, I mean, and that's the only thing we could do. I mean, th- because because everything was so unclear at the beginning and because there was no guidance, we got together and basically said, 
you know, it's, it's the time, you know, we gave everybody like two days, I think, to be depressed. And I took one day, like that first day, the first night we were actually shut down. Yeah. I spent the whole time pretty much in the bar and I was like, fuck it. I drank a shitload of rosé and I watched shitty TV and I was just wallowed in my depression. I'm like, don't call. I didn't answer a call. I didn't answer an email. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not available. I'm not, I'm not available to humanity. I'm just fucking gone. Yeah. Because, you know, it was such a, an existential crisis. And after all the time and all the work and everything, just looking at any kind of precipice in that, and in, in, in that case, maybe only two weeks, even though it was, you know, I, I, I suspected it would be longer, but that's what they told us. Two weeks of no revenue for any kind of business. I'm like, what do you think I am? Like, I don't have, I don't have, I don't have a, a backlog. I don't have a backlog of all this money that can just pay for all this shit when I have zero revenue. Because even when seasons are bad, revenue is not zero. It can yeah. be twenty percent down. It can be fifty percent down. But fifty percent of my revenue is still not zero. So yeah, I was I was I was depressed. Everybody's depressed. Everybody went home, and then we got everybody together, and you know, kind of went over, went over a couple things about what the employee stuff, you know, these are your options. Here's this resource. Here's that resource. Like at the time I had been told about, a, a cocktail competition that was literally just like everyone make up a cocktail and you know, you might get, you know, you know, you might get $200 from this brand. And before the meeting started, I'm like, okay, everybody right now, we're all doing this right now. So we all went through, we all like, like filled out the forms. We, we went through kind of together. I'm like, okay, you do this kind of one. I'll do that kind of one. And we went through and we just did it. And I think, I don't know if everybody got it, but like a lot of people did because we were just like, okay, we, no one knows where anyone's money is coming from. So anything that they're sending us right now says you, you might get money. Let's just do it. Yeah. And there was more of that in the beginning than there is, than there's now, or I mean, certainly towards the end, but you know, we, we sat and I said, look, you know, first of all, we don't have any money coming in, so I can't pay anybody anything. So file for unemployment. And if you need to sit home and, and play video games and just stay separate and take pictures of your food, like whatever you need to do, like by all means, what I am going to do is going to figure out a way in this to be a bartender. still. if you guys want to do that too, I will be in this building. If you're going to be in the building with me, that means we're sequestering pretty much together. Because at the time, sequestering was like where you spending your time, who you're with. Correct. And so, you know, and a good portion of them were like, look, you know, we don't have anything else to do. And we want to, we want to be able to still do something. And so we started making shit. You know, we, we, you know, that's how I started my podcast. It literally, it's the only way, and you know this because you you have a podcast. I had this idea for this podcast for at least two years. <laughs> I'd been thinking about it. I'd been kind of planning it. And I'd been planning it so much that I started getting equipment, like, you know, microphones and shit like that. Because I'm like, yeah, like I had a Tascam, which is like a field recorder. I'm like, okay, we can like, I, like I was really like really getting into the idea of trying to learn how to do it. Yeah. As soon as the shutdown happened, I'm like, okay, like, all right, like, put up or shut up, man. Yeah, you got all like, the time in the like, world. This, this is the time. And, you know, the learning curve was super steep. And looking back at it now, there's very little chance that I would have 
been able to do it alone, like essentially alone, learning all like you know, do it, learning how to edit, learning how to do the sound stuff, learning how to do the marketing, learning how to do the you know all like all the stuff you have to do on top of also running a bar. Because yeah. all of all of it takes time, and so you know, and that's one of the one of the things that a lot of like we we did the same thing with video we did the same thing with you know live streaming we did the same you know we created a virtual bar we we did we pushed every button we could think of because we put out a tip jar and we didn't want to go and say just like hey brands like if you have any charity give it to us we were bartenders and we're like okay we're bartenders that we understand so if we want you to fill the tip jar we have to give you a reason to do it a reason to do it is you're sitting at home by yourself sad alone and you wish you could go to bars and you can't. You already have a drink, so we can't do that for you. What else do bartenders do that compels people to say, "Yeah, that's worth a buck or two? <laughs> and we tried to, and we tried to compel, and we tried to condense that and put it, and and put it out every night at the same time and say, like, we'll be here for an hour every night, and we're going to do all kinds of stupid shit, and you can watch us, and if you like it, then give us three dollars. Yeah, and they did, and and a lot of times it was more than three bucks. Like I was, you know, we I was not able to make my employees rich over this thing, but I definitely was able to give them enough money that we got just from all the stuff that we did to say, okay, this is our bridge between now and the time we can figure out what's going to happen next. So and so, how long do you think this is gonna uh, this is gonna last? I mean, it depends. It depends on what people do now. Because what right now, every this well, is so politicized that people I mean, people are fighting, all, putting on a mask. It's, it's always going to be politicized, and you know, the, to the people who are fighting put out, uh, to put on a mask, I have a very specific message now, and I will not back away from it. It's like you you have no reading comprehension, and you don't know how to do math. Like the only people who don't believe that a mask helps are people who are so dumb that I don't want them in my bar in the first place because their stupidity in, in general life in regular life didn't really threaten me or the people I care about, but their stupidity now actually threatens me. So I can't have them. So the good thing is that they now there's, there's a banner that says I'm stupid or not stupid. And so if you don't have a mask on, then you're a moron and Your 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 imbecilic fucking brain is a threat to the people who come into my bar, and you're not allowed in. Yeah. Just like if someone was like, "Hey, there's a nine year old kid who's waving around a pistol. Can they come in?" It's like, no, they can't come in. Someone take the goddamn pistol away from them. Yeah. Yeah, I think that um, in in being around town, um, I do see a lot of people not wearing a mask. And I wore it the whole, every time I went out, even whenever I felt like, ah, I think this is contained. When it, when it heated up and it, it looks like, okay, it's summertime, viruses aren't supposed to be doing well. It, you know, they don't, they don't really stay, stay in the air as much. All this, all this nonsense, well, not nonsense, but, but previous We don't know those things. Those are just things that somebody said and everybody else repeated. Right. We don't know, we don't know, we, like I... Personally, I studied chemistry at the University of Washington, right? I'm, I, I have a science background. 
I do not know the effect that weather has on viruses. Yeah, because even even <laughs> Fauci, whenever Fauci talked about it, he said it may happen. It has happened in the past. We don't know how this virus is gonna is gonna act. And so that's the that's the thing that I was going by. I was going, okay, right. the guy that is the expert, he says it could be, but it might not be. So I'm gonna put it on one to make other people comfortable and just in the case that I'm wrong or that is not it, then uh I give myself a chance of not getting it. So but the thing is it's like now that he has, he, he has been really truly Trumpers versus everyone else versus the left, I'm seeing people not wearing them and just in defiance. It's like there's more people not wearing it than they were before. It seems like right. it seems like like two, two thirds of. I think that we I, that's something that I think that we have to we have to nip in the bud, and it, and we have to do it if we want to have something that is. I mean, this this is why there's a whole second wave of shutdowns in the city of Houston. It's entirely voluntary. There's just businesses saying you're not making people be responsible, so we will make them do that. Bars are very unique in in most businesses. Is that we are very used to telling people. You have to do shit you don't want to. Yeah, you cut off. Yeah, I'm very, very used to having people saying, like, what do you mean I can't have any more? I'm like, I have made the determination you can't. Your opinion on that has no bearing on my decision. Hey, everybody, it's closing time. You don't got to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> closing time. Every office needs an end-of-the-day tradition. Something to tell you the day's over. Otherwise, you go home and the night just feels like more day. It's weird. Like, it's not, it's not, it's not useful for you to tell me that you think that I shouldn't cut you off because it's already happened. Yeah. Or you can't and, smoke inside. Right. You can't smoke inside. Or you have to leave at 2 in the morning. Or yeah. you have to stop, you know, you have to stop talking to that person. Or, you know, all the stuff that people want to do once they have two drinks in them... Like, our job is to regulate people's behavior when they can't regulate it on their own. But we can't so, get the city to do it. Or the state, the even worse. And we can't give... And, and, and also, we don't... We don't have the... We, we don't have the mandate behind us for people who don't have the same situation that we do to insist... So if you can't insist when they go in a grocery store, you can only recommend. You can't insist when they go in the Apple store. Apple's a little different. You can't insist when they go and, you know, go into the Galleria. You can just recommend, you know, and they give people this optional thing as if their opinion about how to deal with the coronavirus was useful. And it's not because they're, you know, they're, their belief in whether this thing is a big deal or not is not, I mean, it doesn't matter. I've heard people say that Jesus will save them and so they don't have to wear a mask. And I'm like, okay, you're an utter moron, because <laughs> even as a Christian, because Jesus never said you don't have to do your own work so we can approach it on that level. And if you want to approach it on a level that is not that, we're like, okay, then now you might as well just say, you might as well say Zeus said it. Yeah. Yeah, you because know, or it's... Cleo, or Cleo fucking Patra. Well... And uh, you're supposed to care for your brother. So if to, other people... To, right. And you're supposed to... And, 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 but that's also the message that was not 
put out, and I think it's not too late because this is the new evangelism for me, is I'm not wearing a mask because I think I'm going to get sick. I'm wearing a mask because I think you're going to get sick. And it's, it literally comes down to saying this is, a, this is society writ small. I wear a mask to protect you. Yeah. And I rely on you to have the same courtesy for me. So I'm protecting you, your family, anyone in your family tree who might be vulnerable, including yourself. And I hope that you would have the same respect for me and my family. Do that. And so all these people who think that, you know, you know, it became a macho thing, apparently. It's like, I don't know, I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of this virus, you know, as a sign of weakness. I'm like, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of care. Yeah. So I'm not saying I'm afraid I'm going to get sick. I'm saying I'm afraid you're going to get sick, so I'll wear mine. And if you wear yours too, then our both of our odds of, of getting this thing are very, very low. And all we needed people to do, David, all we needed people to do to be able to go back to bars again in this city, we just needed them to do the smallest thing to take care of other people, and they couldn't be bothered. Yeah. Yeah, and then but then the problem too in our industry is that we all speak as individual voices, and having a a this problem right that is is keeping everyone from moving forward. You know, the whole bar industry is in this together, whether you think you are or you're not, whether you're breaking the rules or not, right? And you know, instead of there needs to be a um, a unified uh, voice to go to city hall, to go to the state, to to be able to to recommend strongly that things need to be done differently. If you had a, a message for Sylvester Turner, the mayor of Houston, right now, what would you say? On behalf of either your yourself or your or, or the bar industry in general, preferably the latter. Well, I mean, I would tell them to do what already has been done by the county to to make it a mandate that people that uh, that businesses have to comply with, and tell people that they have to have a mask whenever they're in the building. Otherwise, I'm the one that gets in trouble. The same way as we kick people out at two a.m. or two fifteen. Because TABC is going to punish us, and I'm not going right. to put my license, TABC license, in in jeopardy because you want to have another drink at two sixteen. Because you, so, you don't want because you don't want to go home. Right, because right, you don't want to go home, and that's fine. But you can't be here. Right. And so I would tell them to make it make it a mandate, and at least the county already did it. And I I follow her, uh, Linda, uh, Georgia Dago on yeah. Twitter, and she gets the the so much hate doing the right thing and then that is one thing that has really aggravated me here in all of this is how people are so mean-spirited when someone just wants the safety of the public and that that and i've seen it you know against individuals and i've seen it against officials and it's just it's getting to that point where it's almost like you know i don't care what you think like we're trying to do this as a community but it's it's is that that guy in the community, that group that just keeps shitting on everyone's pissing on everyone's fucking Cheerios just because they think it's funny. Yeah. But also, I mean, but that's also kind of why I've been approaching things the way that I've been approaching them now 
is because at this point the bar has been closed for reclosed for a week Man. and the odds of us opening next weekend unless things change substantially which all numbers are going in the wrong direction all of them so even if the governor abbott today governor abbott himself the guy who literally was just like hey let's all just rush to go back to this thing he said today yeah like the best thing everyone should do is stay home i'm like okay well fuck like even if, if he's even got the message then yeah absolutely so the only people who are going to go out are people who even don't believe him but the fact is there are so many people all those people and you can say it's politicized you can say it's you know people who don't believe or you can say they're just assholes at this point we have to be so self-regulating as a community and there's nothing at all right now that anyone can take away from me my business is already closed it might close down because i don't know if we'll survive or not and the only if if you want to say to me that you're insulted because i'm calling you out for some stupid shit you're doing then honestly what are you gonna do boycott me No, really. Boycott a closed business? Well, you're going to boycott a closed fucking business and, and, and really tell all your other moron friends because they're like, oh, they, like, they gave me shit because I, was, I wasn't wearing a mask. I'm like, great. I don't want any of you fucking wild cards in here. The same way I wouldn't want you in here if you walked in and loudly announced, I'm going to get drunk and punch someone in the face. I'm like, okay, you can't come in. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally uh, I'm with you on that. And I think it, it's that's that's why I, I, I've been saying is like what happens with the bars that don't have a kitchen like the, the, the PPP loans came out. Assuming, assuming you got them. But yes, assuming you got them. But even then, I think that some people shied away from it because they were like, damn, like 75 percent has to go to labor two years to pay it off. And, you know, they had all these these restrictions of what you can do to then go and, and uh, you know, a few weeks later and go, OK, actually, 60 percent has to go to to uh, labor and, and you have five years to pay. If they would have said that in the first place, that most places would have gotten it well, and they didn't allocate that, enough money to it anyways. But also, I mean, that, that highlights a problem from which is top to bottom, because in a neighborhood bar, that kind of loan makes no sense. Because if most of your staff is are bartenders or people who work for tips, your labor that you can show and prove is is not super high. Yeah. So if you're tying it, everyone's like, oh, what about payroll? I'm like, what about payroll? You know, I want you to make sure that, that you know, this is the structure we have and, and, you, and it works. But we've always been outside that because, you know, the bartender makes tips, pays taxes on those tips. But I can't claim that as payroll. So when I go to do PPP, when they're like, okay, it's like six times payroll or whatever it was, I'm like, my payroll is not very high. So you're talking about limiting a small amount of money that I might not even get because it doesn't include all the people who are, I mean, the majority of my staff, like I don't have a huge security crew. I don't have like a lot, like a lot of extra, I don't have a kitchen crew. I don't have a bunch of people on salary, right? Because I'm just a bar. And, and it's the same with all the regulations they put out or all the suggestions they had about how we were all supposed to open because there's just they, they said, you know, do the hand sanitizer thing. They kept saying extra security to make sure people follow the rules, you know, make sure people have masks, make sure they're six feet apart. And, you know, and that was kind of it. 
And so we're all looking. I mean, I was talking to uh, uh, Christina at El Segundo, and I was because I got to go food from them. And looking at the architecture of that space and the architecture of mine, just how it's laid out, we were both looking at each other going like, what's 50%? Yeah. What does that even mean? You know, it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense unless, yeah, if I had a big, you know, if I had a big patio with a bunch of tables on it, you'd be like, cool, take out half your pay- tables, there's 50%. 50% but, is six feet. Right, right. So it makes no sense at all for, for a small bar. And, and, and what the whole, does that even mean in a place like mine, which isn't super small, but it's kind of narrow where, where everyone wants to hang out? I'm like, cool, if I have 50% of people that can be in here and they're all hanging out at the bar, that's not that's not correct. But that's the nature of the of small businesses, right? They're small. <laughs> you know, yeah, and it's, I mean, it's, it sounds it sounds funny, but I mean, to me, it's right. like a, a small bar like yours where you could, you have three or four employees or mine. It's, it's that... I'm able to make a good living for myself and for my employees because I don't have a huge footprint. Therefore, the rent is not killing me. And whenever things are bad and, and like you said, sales go down to 50 percent, I'm still doing all right. right. And so and it's and it goes for the same thing as some people that I have a social media uh, uh, business or, you know, the accounting business like they get a tiny office. And, and they have a small footprint and they're able to survive the hard times because their, their overhead is not too, too much. Right. But then when we're talking about distancing one another to keep each other safe and what, am I, what are you supposed to do with, with, with you know, 300 square feet, 500 square feet? You how, how are you supposed to? Right? Exactly. Why would I open Yeah, but also, but that, but that was my issue is that they didn't consider... I mean, let's let's take let's take even the difference between your place and my place out of it. Let's just say a nightclub, a neighborhood bar, a restaurant bar, and you know, a beer hall. Okay. Like a beer garden. Those yeah. are four completely different businesses that operate in completely different ways. All of whom got the same recommendations without any specificity without any consultation no one said like okay what's you know did we talk to anybody about what are the challenges of having people go to a bar if it's in a restaurant nobody said if you're opening your nightclub it's not the same as if you're opening a bar that has you know you know 15 bar stools and five tables it's not the same because if I open at 50, we opened at 25%, right? Because that was the first thing. You know, we changed everything around. We moved all our furniture around. We just made it so we had table service we never had before. And we're like, this is how we're going to do it. And it worked. But us being full on that first night was like 22 people. And 22 wow. people freaked us out because it's the first time anyone had been in this building besides us in three months. 25% of people at... 200 person nightclub yeah yeah but i mean that's what i'm saying is is, it's not making it the uh it's not worth it you're not you're not generating enough revenue to to make it worth your while in particular whenever what you're actually doing is raising the risk for everyone and putting the entire city and the entire industry in a few weeks in a position where people are going to have to close they said that fauci said that months ago 
Right, and, and, and we knew it. Which we is knew why it. We didn't, we didn't, also didn't, Abbott should not have had his open. But we've, they, we were forced. They forced our hand. They forced our hand. But also, at a certain point, at least for a lot of us, and certainly for us, is it wasn't about anymore about whether it's worth it or not worth it. It's about whether I can, I can squeak by with just enough, just enough. And this is not paying my bills. This is just giving everybody a little something. Yeah. You know, until such time as we can figure out what's going to happen next. It was just enough money to say, okay, the boat still has holes in it. We're still bailing as fast as we can. It's still sinking. But I think if we keep bailing like this, we can probably go another month, maybe two. Maybe two. Because it was eventually going to sink unless someone fixed it. But we, we were, it, it gave us time to make, to, to have, you know, we couldn't pivot, you know, we couldn't do anything spectacular, but it gave us just enough to get everybody going. Like, we understand where you're at. Thank you for like working with us and everyone's getting a little bit of money and we're not making it. I was not making any money, yeah. but I also was not losing my business. Okay. So I got about another five minutes. Dope. So tell me about, okay. Tell me what you think uh, needs to happen next. I think that every bar owner in Houston that gives a shit needs to like get on a Zoom call. You know, we're doing our part in that we're we're basically just now I, all I want to do now, especially because we're we're you know probably going to be closed this weekend too. I'm all, I'm spending all my time just making noise and making so much noise that I cannot be ignored, and then going to everyone who cares and saying like, okay, we have a bunch of noise now. I will literally call you and call Lindsay Ray and call, you know, fucking, you know, whomever, Mike Molina, you know, Sean Bermudez, every bar owner I know and say, let's just walk over to City Hall right now and sit down and say, someone better come out and talk to us. Yeah. So you can't go anymore in front of the press and say, we haven't heard from bar owners. Like, you must listen to us. And I got, I mean, I'm on record. I'm on record. Is saying, you know, you want to fuck up your whole city, by all means, let all the bars die. Yeah. And that point needs to be made clear, and I need it to be made clear over and over again, because it is fucking true. And the frustrating thing with all of that is that the, the people that right now that are giving a shit about this and are working to make sure their staff is taken care of and working to make sure that, the, uh, that, that you have a chance giving your business a chance are people that have came up through bartenders. And right. it's sort of like, this is like the American dream, right? Like you work really hard. You, you get your, 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 your own business. You're able to get to that point. And then, you know, from there you grow it to whatever degree and point that you want, where you're comfortable right. and you buy the house and do whatever it is that you want to do, travel, whatever it is. But these are the, these are the people that are surf, suffering the most. The ones that put yeah. in the time over decades and finally have something that that is that is ours that is yours that that is theirs that that makes you proud to be in the industry and in this city and to serve the community in this city and we are abandoned and the the worst part about it is that as they push us to reopen they took away the protections that we had right they took away our cover yeah I'm the baby boomers something else I'm a little tired of hearing about the baby boomers whiny 
narcissistic, self-indulgent people with a simple philosophy. Give me it, it's mine! Give me that, it's mine! These people were given everything. Everything was handed to them. And they took it all, took it all. Sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and they stayed loaded for 20 years and had a free ride. But now they're staring down the barrel of middle-aged burnout, and they don't like it. They don't like it, so they've turned self-righteous. And they want to make things hard on younger people. They tell them, abstain from sex. Say no to drugs. As for the rock and roll, they sold that for television commercials a long time ago. So they could buy pasta machines, and Stairmasters, and soybean futures. Soybean futures. You know something? They're cold, bloodless people. It's in their slogans, it's in their rhetoric. No pain, no gain. Just do it. Life is short, play hard. Shit happens, deal with it. Get a life. These people went from do your own thing to just say no. They went from love is all you need to whoever winds up with the most toys wins. And they went from cocaine to Rogaine. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna diminish your point because I agree with it 100%. But your point is not my point. And also your point is something that I don't think they'll listen to. So... Because there's also there's also an economic Darwinism part that a lot of really shitty people are saying right now. They're like, well, I mean, it sucks that you're going to go away, but had you been better at your job, then you wouldn't have. Maybe you should have planned better. Maybe you should have had more money. Maybe you should have what 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 right? It's not correct, but there's enough people who would, who would just claim the capitalism ar- argument. We're like, hey, look, listen, some people got to go. That's it. And if it's you, I'm really sorry, but it's you. So tell me what is in one, in, in, in the most concise way what is your point and what is the point that you're driving to city hall if if 30 percent of the bars in houston that are going to close the independent bars in houston are going to close then the identity of the city of houston and the ability of, of houston to attract tourism dollars to attract conventions to attract all the stuff that makes a major city major will be highly diminished and it might go away totally and it will certainly lose its downtown at least for a decade, at least. There was a time not long ago when city, the city of Houston made available grants to people who were willing to come downtown to rebuild it. And that money, if all the shit goes away, that money will have been wasted and they will have to do it again. And it'll be another 10 years because if we all and I'm just talking about downtown, if if a substantial portion of us go away, you will not have you will not have any of the stuff you have now and you will start over, but you won't do it until my kids are old enough to come here again from outside Houston and say, yeah, I mean, we'll come in and try to make a bar in this place. And and I don't think that it would be the same because the time that that happened was during the, uh, the peak of the craft uh, movement, which brought in a lot of talent into the downtown area and the uniqueness and quality of the bars downtown is directly uh, related to that. Right, but there also all a lot of work has been done. All the people who moved down here into all these high rises and built, they came down here because it was it was a downtown like they wanted to have and lively, vibrant. Growing. Yeah, right. But if these places don't get some kind of at least consideration, at least consideration, if not some kind of direct help if they go away they will not be replaced because no one's gonna no one's gonna touch them 
for a long ass time. And then the city can look at its downtown that it built. It took so many dollars and years to build up and say, okay, now it's abandoned storefronts and homeless people. Like it's been literally from the time we shut down because I've been down here since March and I cannot express to you how lonely it has been when you're walking down the street with a mask on and look at it on a, on a Wednesday afternoon in March going like, oh, my God, this is like this is like a very, very scary apocalyptic movie. It's like the, where, the where way is everybody. Yeah, but that's the way that downtown Houston was in the 80s and 90s. Well, I mean, it, and, and it very well could be that way again. And Unless, like you said, it took a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of people to bring it up to where it is. It'd be more than just a shame to let it all go go away. And it was getting better, and it can get better again, but it needs it needs attention, and it needs support. That's the message. Listen, man, uh, I, I have a whole lot of respect for you, and I'm super glad that we got to have this conversation. Um, what? Uh, Likewise. I, I generally end on five questions, but we're kind of sharing this thing, so I'll just give you one. Okay. And I'll ask you the question my daughter asked me today. Okay. What's your favorite animal and why? Ooh. Man. I don't know why that's a tough question. Don't overthink it. I like dogs. <laughs> oh, come on. Dogs. Yeah, what's wrong with okay. dogs? Dogs. All right, are... dogs. Okay, dogs. <laughs> dogs are loyal. Dogs okay, are what friends. Kind of, what kind of dog? Well, I love my pit bull. Okay. I think they're Very super, dogs. super. Yeah, they're and they're super emo. You know, you get upset. At, you, I don't even know why people ever put their hands. <laughs> I don't know why you would ever put your hands on a on a on a pit bull because you can sit there and talk shit to them and they will sulk. Like, I've never thought of a pit bull as emo before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's the reason they're so aggressive man they they, they 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 feel the pain it's like man this emotional pain it's like you know i need to don't don't fuck with me right now all right well you know i think i think that question was totally success <laughs> oh man uh i really appreciate you uh thanks for being on the podcast i appreciate uh, you back and thanks for being on mine yeah So that is it for this show. Um, make sure that you check out um, the website, openbar.space. Um, you can find us, obviously, on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, Alexa, all of the different platforms. And you can also find me on David underscore Daiquiri and Instagram or uh, at David underscore TV on Twitter. Also, I want to invite you to leave the comments, uh, leave some comments on the comment section. Check out the resources that I normally put on the comment section for, for this podcast. And let's keep the conversation going. Remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other and keep the conversation going.